Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M that is dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs, learning how they overcame growth challenges with creative hacks, and connecting them with other entrepreneurs in the Aggie network. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fight and Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie, Class of 1998. Woo! Well, we got a little story for your Ags. Nathan Tynart, Fighting Texas Aggie, Class of 2013, received an entrepreneurial kick in the pants after scoring a red-ass 13 on a business law test. That motivated him to see business in a whole new light, and Nathan has gone on to own, build, and exit multiple companies. And he is sharing his knowledge with other Aggie entrepreneurs. So pass it back and listen up to Nathan as he shares some good bolt. Welcome back, Ags. We have got an amazing treat for you today. Nathan Tynert, Fighting Tech Aggie class of 2013, is the CEO of, gosh, I don't even know how many companies, but the one we're going to focus on today is Greystone International. Nathan, I am excited to hear your perspective about business, to hear your understanding of mergers and acquisitions. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We look forward to learning from you. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Well, Nathan, jumping right into it, what can you tell us is your favorite Aggie memory? Gosh, there's so many. Um, I think I'm a little different. I think I'm a little weird. My favorite memory was Keith Swim's class, contract law, business law, whatever it was called in Mays, and flunking my first test with a 13. Did you do that on purpose? No, it was brutal, man. It broke my spirits, but that's exactly what I needed. That class taught me what the real world's like. And today, Keith is still a pretty good friend of mine. And uh, as I look back, that's something that I really value. And it sticks with me, man. Nice. Nice. So tell us a little bit about Greystone International or any of the other you know, companies that you want to talk about today. Sure. Yeah. So we'll do kind of a brief summary. Early on, I, I started with a single entity. It was a lawn company in college. My freshman year, I started it. And that company grew relatively quickly. My junior year, I actually hired one of my professors from Texas A&M. And that was a highlight of my career. But then you know, I, I never was a landscaper. I wasn't the lawn boy. Yeah, it was an entrepreneurial approach to landscaping. And I figured that that approach can serve me well in pretty much any service-based industry. After graduation, I shifted gears and started forming new companies. I acquired a few companies. And then I sold a company. And selling the company was very enlightening to me. It showed me that I can pull my head out of the company for a little bit, take a deep breath, and focus on where I want to go versus just what I'm doing. And they gave me the mental clarity to form Greystone International, which is one of my primary entities right now. I serve as the CEO of that company, and uh, it's a business brokerage firm. So it's small to medium-sized mergers and acquisitions. We represent both buyers and sellers, primarily sellers looking to exit. We have about six holdings right now that I oversee, and then tens of listings uh, across the country. All right, Nathan, I've got a follow-up question to that. So when you said that you exited, that that was an experience that really taught you a lot, it allowed you to you know, look strategically at your business. Was that a bad experience for you? Or did you say, you know, hey, this is a good experience, but 
I wish I could educate myself or I wish I could educate other people. What did you feel coming out of that experience? Greg, that's a great, great question. So it was both. That process was both liberating. It was exciting. I also saw a lot of flaws with that process. And so I knew very little about that business selling process. And so, yeah, a little bit of both. It was very exciting to me. Negotiating and business sales. I mean, that's the fundamental of, of entrepreneurs, I believe. It really lit the fire in my heart, right? It was something different. But there was a lot of flaws that I found. And so uh, that kind of got the journey started for me. I popped on with the brokerage, well-known brokerage in the state. And uh, within two years, became one of the leading brokers in Texas, actually. So that's something I'm pretty proud of. But always look at where your competition is, where they're not, and go to that area. And uh, in the small to uh, medium-sized business M&A market, there was a niche area that was not filled. And that's exactly where I went. So how are you positioning you and your firm to be the provider that fills that niche? How are you becoming the subject matter expert? So our approach is, it's actually really simple. So many brokerages focus on getting and marketing to business sellers. We actually focus on building relationships with business buyers. So these are private equity companies, family offices, some VC groups, angel investors, all of them. And so our rule is connecting with 15 buyers. When you have the buyers, the sellers are going to come. Mm-hmm. It's one thing, we're all going to get sellers, but how quickly, how effectively can we actually sell the business? And so that's been our approach is building relationships with buyers versus just totally focusing on getting those sellers to commit to us. Well, and one thing we were talking about pre-recording is that you actually got a book coming out that kind of lays out your philosophy and it helps with that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's ready to exit. So it's going to be a handbook for small business owners that are looking to sell or position their business to sell uh, soon. So there's nothing on the market like this. Small business selling is almost taboo. I think a lot of small business owners say, hey, you know, we're going to grow, 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 grow. But for what? What are we growing for? What is that end goal? I think that end goal should be to exit in a very healthy manner. It should be a healthy retirement and earning out on what you've built over so many years. Because every business owner is going to exit. I mean, one way or another, even if you die, you're going to exit. (laughs) It's a good idea to do it on your own terms. And we never think about that, right? Even myself as an entrepreneur, I always talk about, I always think about business growth, going to conferences and reading books about business growth. But what do we do at the end? And so nobody ever focuses on that. And so that's one thing that I want to do is uh, give you know the 30 million entrepreneurs in the United States a resource, a guide to work off of. As we're developing our companies, we look at growth and acquisitions and all this stuff, but there's a lot of things that we need to be doing, putting systems in place to actually properly position our businesses to sell. And you know that stuff happens now. From the beginning, quite frankly. And so the more solid you have those systems in place, the quicker you're going to sell, the more value you're going to get. Mm. It makes it that much more appealing. Love it. And I'm a systems guy. I love having systems in place and making sure that things work. So speaking of which, this past year, we all know that COVID has changed everything, right? What's been the most surprising challenge for Greystone International that you've overcome in the past year? One thing that I really believe in is 
your greatest asset is your greatest liability. And in business, you know, a lot of times we don't have to really worry about that. When things are good, they're good. When things are bad, we don't know what to expect. And so diversifying the liabilities associated with your assets is something that I've really learned over the past 12 months. You know, there's key personnel within my team and they had a ton of responsibility. And what I had to do is I started seeing a few red flags. COVID threw a lot of things our way that we weren't expecting. So what I started doing is diversifying those liabilities associated with those assets. And the result of that is actually stronger systems and a stronger team greatly reduced our liabilities within the holding company. Did you have any specific hacks or pivots or anything like that that you actually implemented on in your business during that time frame? We have quite a few businesses. Each one was a little different. The healthcare company was substantially different than the landscape construction company. Both of those were substantially different than the moving company. We've got an in-house marketing team and, and our approach with that was substantially different. Business brokerage, right? The business brokerage blew up. But I mean, everybody wanted to sell. They were scared. They wanted to sell. But all the buyers pumped the brakes. And so, you know, 2020 was rough, but January 3rd, 2021, the floodgates opened and uh, the buyers are back and, and it's really neat. So each one's been drastically different. We've had to pivot a lot. We use that term a lot within our team, pivoting, but each one was substantially different. So kind of hard to na- nail it down on, on an overall perspective. So we're recording this towards the end of March. So you've had a couple months of 2021. My question is when you said, okay, you diversified the risk or you diversified those liabilities and you improved the systems, the personnel, the backup. So if the floodgates opened on January 3rd, have you already seen dividends come for your business from how you changed the companies in 2020? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yep. I think one of the results of diversifying these liabilities associated with assets was bringing on additional assets. And, you know, hiring is one of those things. I think all too often we hire when we need something done. We never hire to go get something done. And so this was a little different approach to the hiring process for us, but we didn't hire out of necessity. We hired out of strategic approach to diversify those liabilities. So yeah, you know, uh, result of that has been productivity, more creativity, more perspective sitting in, in the conference room. Yeah, it's been really good to us here over the past few months. All right, so Nathan, so looking forward into your industry and, and let's specifically talk about Greystone International. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions. There's a lot of business owners that are going to be looking to exit in the next couple of years. What do you see some industry trends in the M&A world that is going to come about and how are you and Greystone changing or positioning yourself to take advantage of those? So over the next decade, we've got the baby boomers finalizing their exits. I guess kind of a relative comment that I'll make too is the focus in entrepreneurship for far too long, I believe, has been startups. I'm not opposed to startups and I still do a few startups here and there. But acquisition entrepreneurship is becoming more prevalent. It's something that MBA programs are pushing heavily right now. You know, 90% of startups fail. Why the heck are we going to do it? I'm all about innovation, but you can run innovation off of an existing company. And so acquisition entrepreneurship has far less liabilities associated with it. You're fulfilling uh, healthy retirements for business owners and you got cash flow day one. I mean, it's really a wonderful thing. So it's a win-win on both sides. So baby boomers are exiting. 
education system and entrepreneurs are looking at acquisition entrepreneurship now. So what we're doing as a firm is there's no name associated with a small to medium M&A business brokerage, right? Think about real estate. You've got Ryan Sorkin, Grant Cardone. You've got all these guys that when you think of real estate, you think of them. M&A, you don't have one. You can't name one. And that's an opportunity that we've recognized and that we're pushing very hard to reach. You know, that's a big part of Ready to Exit coming out, the speaking conferences that we're doing across the country and the podcast that'll be coming out. The whole Ready to Exit initiative is to capitalize on this opportunity over the next decade, really. Interesting. So is that your big, hairy, audacious goal? It's one of them. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. So, yeah. Let's, let's dive into that. You know, I think five year, maybe even three year, but three to five year goal is to be number one most recognized name in the industry globally. We have very, very, very high standards for ourselves. And I think we're on the right path and have the right plan to, to make that happen. Yeah, you think about five to 10 year. Yeah, we've got those. That goal is kept very uh, secure in a vault with my closest advisors. Uh, it's a monetary goal, but there's a lot of alternative benefits that are going to come from that. And, you know, there's some initiatives focused towards creating jobs in rural areas. That's something that I want to prove that people can get quality jobs in careers outside of the metrics. And I think that's a big misconception. I live in LaGrange. It's, you know, 4,000 people live here. And so many people I talk to say, well, hey, I, I've got to go to Austin, Dallas, you know, Houston, San Antonio, something like that to go get a good job. And I think you can talk to anybody in our, in our office that that is not the case. So Nathan, let's roll into the lightning round. You have already given so many valuable hacks and tips. Really, I was wondering, can you narrow down your personal favorite hack? Whether that be something you apply in your personal life or maybe you put it into your companies. But what's something we can learn from you? Yeah. So run with people that run at your pace or faster. Don't surround yourself with people that slow you down. Specifically speaking towards is your advisors. I lean very heavily on my business advisors. And it's taken me years to find the right advisors that push me. They hold me accountable. They make me better. And that's probably the biggest hack that I would have for anybody in entrepreneurship is... Find the right people to run with. That is paramount to the success, I think, of any entrepreneur, whatever they want to do. I think there's there's one more hack. Real quickly, I'll share it. I you know, I, I feel as if our society kind of shuts down imagination and creativity in our youth. And I think battling against that. I think believing, you know, trusting your intuition and allowing your creativity and and, and all of that imagination to to run wild. All the great innovators did that. You know, I love both of those hacks. They're just really awesome. So give us a book, YouTube channel, podcast, whatever, besides your own book and besides Aggie Growth Hacks, right? That you get a lot of value out of. There's a new book out on the markets written by Jeff Reeder. It's called Do Life Differently. That book uh, really meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. Uh, I recommend it for people in business and not, but especially people that set very ambitious goals for themselves. Uh, that's a book that I highly, highly recommend. Also, uh, a new book in the market called Start With Why. It's something I've always believed in. It's, you know, everybody knows what we do. do we, we're landscapers, we're business brokers, we're 
healthcare providers, we're all uh, marketers, but why do we do it? And that why is what builds that long-term relationship and keeps that customer with us, creates that loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think both of those are just really remarkable resources for us. Well, Nathan, we know that the Aggie Network is so valuable. And I think all three of us have benefited from being part of the Aggie Network. Is there one person or a group of people in particularly that you really just want to give a shout out and you want to say thank you for being part of your network and helping you along? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm a third generation Aggie. So I think I, I have to include uh, my grandfather and my dad. Class of 49 and 79. So, you know, they really set the Aggie standard, code of ethics, all of that in me early on. So that's something that I'm, I'm forever grateful for. Outside of family, probably be Keith Swim kicking my ass in college. I think that's probably uh, probably the other Aggie that, or someone in the Aggie network that I owe a lot to. So, yeah, Keith. Uh, love it. So how can the Aggie network get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, any of that stuff, you know, ready to exit podcast, ready to exit book. It's on Amazon. I'm going to try to do multiple Aggie based speaking events and conferences for business owners looking to exit in the upcoming years. And what I want to do is provide a free resource to those Aggies. So on all these different platforms, I'll be posting those updates and, and sharing that with them. So I'm going to throw one more question here at you. What is one merger and acquisition hack that you can give us right now? There's so many, man. Okay, my hack, my approach, get creative. Buy off market. Find somebody that needs to exit for the right reasons and leverage asset-based financing. No money down. Buy a business that's cash flowing you know, three, four, five, I don't know, $800,000 a year, no money down. It happens. It happens every day. I see it every day. Very few people know how to do it. But that is the one hack. Maybe that'll be a good next episode we can get into is explaining this a little better. But there is phenomenal opportunities within acquisition entrepreneurship. And it blows my mind that more people are not involved in it. But I think we're going to see that quickly change in the upcoming years. All right. Well, Nathan, before we go, so remind us again, I'm so excited to hear and to read Ready to Exit. When is it launching? How can we get a hold of it? When can you start educating the world about the future of M&A? Yeah, thanks, Greg. So May 1st this year, 2021, the book's going to be launched. So it's going to be, we're going to start on Amazon, but you guys can shoot me an email and be happy to mail a copy out to you all as well. But yeah, May 1st, it comes out. It's going to be, like I said earlier, a step-by-step guide on how to position your business to sell and then what the selling process looks like, both you know systematically, but also emotionally. Selling your business. I've seen more grown men and women cry through M&A than I've seen at funerals. It is a daunting process, but it's also by far one of the most liberating that an entrepreneur will ever experience. Like you said before, though, I mean, this is like your baby and I've poured into my baby for 30 years and now I'm parting with it. That's a huge emotional event. So Ags, if you are an entrepreneur, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, doesn't matter what stage you're in, make sure that you reach out to Nathan, make sure you pick up 
his book, I guarantee that it'll pay dividends in spades. Very good. Greg, I appreciate it. Chris, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. How about that, Ags? I am so motivated by this. It's just amazing. So there were some valuable hacks that Nathan shared with us. What was your favorite, Greg? Chris, I think the thing that struck out to me the most was he talked about acquisition entrepreneurship. And he talked about having creativity and not having to make a brand new company in order to be innovative. And as a banker, I can really appreciate the fact that he's like, hey, that's going to cash flow from day one. That's going to pay for itself and that's going to de-risk it. So I, I love just his approach and the mentality of always moving forward in business, but finding ways to do it that takes some of the risk off the table. What about you? I agree with yours. I mean, I, I, 1000%. Mine is, I love that he said, run with people your own pace or faster. Right? Yeah. I mean, and that is so key to put that in perspective. If you're just sitting out there as an entrepreneur on your own, right? And have no perspective and no one pushing you, what's going to happen? right? You're not going to innovate. You're not going to grow as fast as, as if you had someone that's been there and done that and telling you the exact steps, right? I'm part of a group that I joined, I don't know, about five, six months ago that is exactly that. It's other entrepreneurs who've been there and done that and is literally giving me the blueprint on how to actually implement everything, you know? And I've been searching for that in my entrepreneurial life, I've been searching for that for almost 20 years now. So that's how amazing that that is. I can't say that enough. You know, his run with people your own pace or faster to push you. I love it. Love that. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeam, wherever you found us. Be sure to check out our website, aggiegrowthhacks.com where you can hear all of our previous episodes and make sure that you connect with us. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies, Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurs for Texas A&M University. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head over to their website and find a program that's right for you. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them.